Well, hey, uh, so before I jump into to 2 Corinthians, that's where we're going, 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 18, I wanted to announce this morning before church ended, and I forgot if there was any questions about what I said this morning, because I thought that was kind of kind of meaty um, information, and I thought I might have left question marks in any, somebody's mind, and I didn't want to do that, so... Obviously, you don't represent the whole group of people, but if there's anybody that was here from this morning and you're like, Brian, I do have a question about something you said or you need to clarify a point, um, I think that most of the pastors got what I was saying, which is good. Um, I did have to correct, cor- not correct, but clarify a point with Randy. He he did inverse my Lord thing, and he thought I was saying that small O-R-D was equal to Jehovah, and I was actually saying, no, it wasn't. It's It could be, but it could be, it's really not. It's the incarnate Lord Jesus Christ, or Caesar, or any Lord. Uh, and so, I thought I was kind of, you know, pretty clear on that, but I was covering a lot of information. Yes, sir. I need to get you to tell me, I'm going to get another Bible here before too long. Correct. Really. Interesting. What do you got? What's the back of the spine? Holman. Hendrickson. Yeah, that's an American publisher, and I would tell you, I'm. I mean. That's what I was going to ask you. Which one did you get? Personally, Oxford or Cambridge. Oxford, Cambridge. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like Oxford and Cambridge because they are the King James Bible. Not every, not I hate to say this, but not all King James Bibles are equal. When you're getting down to the details like that, and I don't know the difference because I use authorized. When I say I use the authorized version, that's that is the authorized version. So, um, so that's what I use, and that's partially why. Um, the reason that happens, though. So the question is, why does that happen? American publishers, uh, American Bible societies use the King James and then they make those changes without telling you. So we we have those little uh Hendrickson's or Henderson's or whatever, those little bitty black Bibles. I use I use one. I mean I can lead people to the Lord with them. But I found several errors in it. Some are pretty gross errors. And so uh Doris quit ordering them. They weren't just like that. They were some errors. I was like, whoa. And so they don't tell you. So a lot of times what you'll see in an American publisher is uh they'll take the word like through throughly and they'll change it to thoroughly, and they'll update the language a little bit, which isn't altogether, you know, like nefarious, uh, but it can change. You know, thoroughly and thoroughly are two different words, and they have subtle differences in meaning. So I don't appreciate changing that because it, you lose something. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, especially when they don't tell you, and so the American publishing houses are good at that. So if it's a Nelson... Um, uh, or or uh, Holman on any of those, you got to look at them pretty close. You can usually go to uh, the first place I check is is uh, and it depends what I'm using it for, right? So I don't mind if I'm just grabbing a King James Bible to go out and witness at the park. I don't I don't worry about that. But if I'm going to study the Bible, like to do what I was doing this morning, if you want to get into the nuts and bolts, man, you need a Cambridge or Oxford. But I'll use a. Uh, um, uh, let's see, what is it? First Timothy three sixteen says, uh, no, not three sixteen. Second Timothy three sixteen is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah, inspiration of God's prophet for doctrine. That the man, yeah, verse seventeen. Second uh, Timothy three seventeen. In most American, um, American-made King James Bibles, they will change the man of God may be perfect truly. Um, 
or thoroughly, I should say, thoroughly furnished and all good works. It won't say truly. Truly? Thoroughly. T-H-R-O-U-G-H-L-Y. Well, that's what it should be. Truly? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the newer, not a lot of them will. So that's interesting that they didn't, they capped the Lord on you. There's other things that I have heard you say from the pulpit that are different than mine, so I know it's mm. different. So, yeah. Uh, definitely highlight my well, that, that passage in Malachi, chapter 3 and verse 1, is, for the reasons I stated, important. And, not that I'm a Greek going to the original text guy, but the, it's about accuracy. So if you're talking about accuracy, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D is not the accurate rendering from the Hebrew. It's, it's Adonai, it's not Jehovah. Jehovah is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. So also, and I don't think it's just the King James gang. I think that the, the Holy Ghost was part of that before the reasons I set forth this morning. Because there's a prophecy that what was confusing, what could be confusing about what I was talking about this morning is a lot of what I was talking about is double fulfillment. So it could be the fulfillment of Titus destroying the temple in Daniel, and it can be the fulfillment of the Antichrist desecrating the temple. It can be the the prophecy of uh, John the Baptist coming to prepare the way of the Lord, and it can be the prophecy of Elijah coming in the tribulation. And so history does kind of cycle, and God uses that and repeats it. So I was trying to lay all that out in a way everybody could get their head around it as best I could. But that's that's a lot of stuff to, you know, keep, a lot of planks to keep spinning, you know, to keep, keep in order. On my computer, one's a pure Cambridge edition, and one was a guy got from a program years ago called Quick for Two, Parsons Technology. And the Cambridge text that I have does did not capitalize the whole word Lord in the second part of that verse. It did not. It did not. Hmm, that's interesting. So you have the Oxford? Huh? Is yours Oxford? Mine's Oxford. Yeah. I don't have a Cam- I do have a Cambridge. It's not on me, but I could check. Anybody here got a Cambridge? So, yeah, that's interesting. Huh. Yep. Well, and then you got to appeal, if you don't know, then you appeal back to the Greek, or I mean to the Hebrew in this case, and that would be Jehovah versus Adonai. And of course, for all the reasons I was talking about this morning. So, of course, we're about precision when it comes right down to it. So that's why that's why that's important because you will not be able to discern. It was it was the distinctions. If it would have been a capital L O R D, I would have probably just assumed that was talking about the Lord Jesus, and that's who they were delighting in, and I would have missed the whole thing. That's what that's what really stopped me to go. Wait a minute, the Lord ye ye you see you know you delight in. Hmm. And then made me just kind of run all those references and bought, voila, there we are. So, all right, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, get into Second Corinthians. If there's no, that's good. That's a good question. Uh, good. I didn't know that either, so that illuminates me a little bit. I just assumed every. I assumed that everybody's King James Bibles had small case Lord there, uh, where mine was. So that's a little lesson. Um, so, um, so uh, okay, so we're in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And um, I want to just read up through verse 12. I don't know, I, I don't think we'll get much further tonight, so that's where I'm going to stop. 2 Corinthians 10, we've already covered up through verse 6, so we're going to go on down through verse... Uh, 12 and i'll see if we can get there tonight 
Um, so Second Corinthians ten one. Now I, Paul, myself. Beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in the pre- who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. Uh, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walked in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience, Obedience, uh, when your obedience is fulfilled. Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trust to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ's. For though I should be uh, both somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification, and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. For his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak, and his speech contemptible. Let such a one think this, that such as we are in word by letters when we are absent, such will we be also in deed when we are present. For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the standard of your word. Uh, The Apostle Paul is measuring himself by your standard, which is righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, and not concerned about outward appearance, but the inner man of the heart in this passage. Thank you for uh, connecting that uh, tonight with uh, what we're learning about spiritual warfare in this chapter. Pray, Lord, that you just open our eyes that we behold wondrous things and that you're glorified tonight. We thank you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so... Um, just to kind of rec- quickly touch base where we've been, we've we've talked about being secure in our relationship in Christ. Uh, secure Christians can endure personal attacks. Uh, we saw that secure Christians manifest spiritual fruit, so, uh, and we saw that spiritual survival hinges on security in Christ. That was point one. Point two: the successful uh, to be successful in spiritual battles, uh, a credible Christian warrior no longer uh, wars after the flesh. That was point A. Point B is a credible Christian warrior. Warriors have the correct weaponry for spiritual warfare, and we took all the time we needed on that. So tonight, I'm going to try to get to the next couple points if I can, and we're on uh, chapter uh, chapter ten and verse seven. Uh, and uh, Paul says here, do you think, or do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ's, even so are we Christ's. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, uh, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for our de- uh, your destruction, I should not be ashamed. And so... Uh, Paul here is saying, uh, point A, a credible Christian warriors learn to cast down imaginations. Um, he goes on to say, for though I should boast somewhat of our, more of our authority, um, which the Lord hath given us for edification, not for edification, or, or not for your destruction, uh, that I should not be ashamed, that I may seem as if, that that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters, for his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. And so 
so credible Christians, warriors, learn to cast down imaginations. So what we see here is there's an image of Paul, and he's like, guys, don't worry about that image. Let's, let's measure ourselves by the standard of Christ. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, uh, this is one of my favorite verses. It says, This uh, book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So, instead of comparing ourselves with ourselves, what we need to do is compare ourselves against the Word of God. And in Joshua 1.8, the only place in the Bible the word success is mentioned is in Joshua 1.8. Success comes when we, um, when we look at the Word of God, and we meditate on it day and night, and observe to do what has been written. Right. And so Paul was not really concerned about what the Corinthians were thinking, uh, or whoever these people were that were you know, challenging his physical presence against his words and saying, well, you know, you know, Paul writes really well, really well, but wait till you see him. You know, he's he's short and he's blind and he doesn't speak very good because well, he's probably got brain damage, right? So, uh, so you know, this guy's got issues. Well, Paul's like, well, you know what? Just wait till we get there. You'll see about our issues because our standard isn't the outward appearance; it's the inward man of the heart, right? That's what Paul was concerned about. His standard for success was the Word of God, and so Joshua one eight. That's where success comes from, uh, and God will prosper us and make us successful when we meditate on the Word of God, which is certainly Paul did. Now, another one of my other favorite verses in the Bible is Nahum one nine, which is the references there for you. Uh, this is what Nahum says: What do you imagine <clears throat> against the Lord? Right? What is there that you can imagine against the Lord? Uh, he will make an, an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up the second time. Right? There is no, there is no, uh, there is no counsel against the Lord. Right? There are people who try to take up counsel against the Antichrist. Right? The whole book of. Uh, not the whole book, but a large portion of Revelation is about this 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 attempt to usurp the authority of the Lord and and conquer the world literally, uh, and it isn't going to work. There is no counsel against the Lord. It doesn't matter how much money you got, doesn't matter how much power you got, doesn't matter how much military you got, doesn't matter how, how much spiritual power you got. Uh, all the signs and lying wonders in the world are not going to take God's property. God's going to win in the end. So there's just no wisdom, there's no counsel against the Lord. And so what do you imagine against the Lord? Well, at the end of the day, uh, he will finish it, right? Uh, you can start a fight with God, but <laughs> he's going to finish it. So that's a foolish thing to do. He's going to win. And Isaiah 54 and verse 17, um, it says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment shall uh, shalt thou condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So that's our heritage. And of course, that's an Old Testament passage, but we can devotionally apply that to, to ourselves. We are the servants of the Lord, and no weapon formed against us will prosper. Every tongue that rises against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. Not meaning us, but the Lord will condemn it. And so we should be, actually, this is a good time to talk about that, because the, the point three is submit to authority. That's really what Paul's doing. He's submitting himself to the authority of the Lord. He's not allowing the devil to draw him into a fight with a bunch of you know people shooting out the lip at Corinth, think of themselves more highly than they ought to think. Uh, and so he's like, you know what, I'm not going to dignify uh, their questions with a response. Just let them know that when I get to town, uh, I'm going to be a godly man. You know, and uh, and that's all you got to know, right? And I'm not going to sit around and compare myself with everybody else, though I should have more authority. But my authority is to edify you, not to fight, 
right, and carry on. So he's not going to get drawn in to verbal debate with somebody over who's in charge. The Lord's in charge. And that's my standard, and if he's not your standard, well, more power to you, you know. And uh, and so, point B, credible Christian warriors obey God's orders, right? So they learn to cast down imaginations. Paul wasn't going to let the words of other people draw him into a fight against the, the invisible enemy. He's like, I'm not going to let that happen. Um, and so, uh, credible Christian warriors obey God's orders. So, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, back there, Deuteronomy 7 and verse 1, somebody want to read that? So... I'm doing all the talking, which is not unusual. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 1 and 2. Yeah. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hast cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites, Perizzites and the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, or show mercy. Okay, thanks, Jamie. So, so this passage is saying that, you know, I went. This is before it happened too. Deuteronomy, they haven't entered the promised land, and God is telling them, He's like, when you go into the land. I need you to obey my voice. And don't worry about how big and bad the enemy is. Just go in the land and do what I tell you to do and smite those nations. And and I am going to be the one to deliver them. And you're going to be able to utterly destroy them. Now, the key here is utterly destroy them. That means they were not to, to hold back. They were to go all in uh, and uh, trust the Lord for that. And so, uh, you know, Paul, in this passage... Um, it's important that you know he that when we're when we're in the ministry, right? That we we go all in. We obey the orders that God gives us to do, and we're to love God. We're to love people. We're to preach the gospel. All the things that God wants us to accomplish, uh, we need to be all in on that. Um, and so, part of that is the next point, which is credible Christian warriors are ready. They're not just obedient to do what God, even if it seems impossible, right? If you were looking at going in the promised land, all those people that he mentions, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, um, uh, the Hittites, the Girgashites, you know, there's giants, uh, you know, with some of those people associated with that giant, literally giant people. And uh, they also had, were well-resourced, and they had been there for 400-plus years. And so it wasn't an, it didn't look like an easy task, but God was able to accomplish the mission. So you got to go in uh, knowing uh, that God is able to take care of business, which that's what we see Paul going into Corinth. When, he, when I get there, don't worry about it. I'm gonna be, I'll be fine. Right? He was ready to go in and deal with all the, the issues going on. So point C, credible Christian warriors are ready. 1 Peter 5, uh, this is a shepherding passage in 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, let's look at verses 2 and 3. So we need to be ready. 1 Peter 5, 2 and 3. Somebody want to read that? I'm turning to it. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Thanks, thanks, Ron. So, uh, Peter here is saying, you know, I've got a I got to be ready. If you're a, if you're an elder, if you're a pastor, this doesn't just apply to pastors. But um, 
he's he's like you got to be ready you have to be ready to feed the flock which is among you right uh, not because you have to because you want to willingly not for money's sake but of a ready mind our minds have to be ready uh, neither as being lords over God's heritage so it's it's forbidden for a pastor a shepherd uh, to take ownership of the flock people routinely say your church well really this like Heartland is not my church it's the Lord's church I'm just here to shepherd it right there's a difference I don't own anybody here nobody owes me anything we all owe Jesus everything right so we're all here willingly right and we do it because our minds are focused on the Lord Jesus and uh, it's a uh, it's something that we all have to understand uh, in a real battle right you don't do a real battle because you're getting paid by the army to go to war when it finally gets right down to it you're only fighting because of the brother next to you or the sister or whatever but you're fighting for your that's what if you ever listen to real combat people that's what they always say you're in it for the man next to you because you get thrown in these god-awful situations and and you're trying to survive and then you're in there you're in it to win it because you care about the person next to you uh, what you got paid is not going to ever uh, make up for all the things that those guys go through, right? So it's not about a check. It's not for filthy lucre. Uh, it's because well, there's a battle and it needs to be won. And if you're not, if you don't, if you're not, how demoralizing is it to be in a battle uh, and not really want to be there? I mean, not to obviously nobody wants to be in a battle, but I mean, the, you don't have a conviction about the country you're serving. You don't have a conviction about being on a just cause. And fighting for you have to believe that you're doing something. If you're a moral person, you have to believe you're on the side of righteousness. Otherwise, it'd be very hard to go into battle. That's why the laws were that if you're just married, you don't go to battle. That's right. You stay home and cheer up your wife. And in the Old Testament, for a year, right? Yeah, because she needs cheered up. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you don't go to battle. That's right. If uh, you went home, and, and Joshua. Or uh, not Joshua, well, uh, not Joshua, but uh, Gideon, right? He told everybody, "Go if you're not ready, don't don't come, right? Uh, go go back if you're right." We need people that are all in, and then then not just all in, and then need the people who wouldn't just lap up. They had to be, they had to have some discretion, and people wouldn't just lapping up the water like a dog. They had to be willing to be vigilant, right? So there's some some preparation. So that's part of being ready. Right, being ready for battle. It doesn't just happen the first day you get saved. So I pray, like we got a lot of young Christians running around right now, and I, I pray for them. I pray for them that God protects them, children as well, especially your own kids, of course. And it's so important because we, I, I recognize it. Like in our church, many of us are not really prepared for the the real onslaught of the devil that he would love to bring our way. The reason that we don't get just ripped apart is because God's not allowing it, right? Uh, that's what it boils down to because the devil's really able to give us more than we can handle but the lord is not willing to let us to be tempted above that we're able right so he's he's the one that protects us and puts his arms around us and says uh, get back no you're not doing that right now <laughs> you know he, he keeps his church protected because he's a good god and so when a, when a battle does fight come, we need to be ready for it, knowing that the Lord's ordered it. God's allowed this battle. He wants us to fight it, because if he didn't, it wouldn't be coming our way. And so uh, so God's allowed it. Cause, uh, you know, and that's what Paul's saying, is that you've got to be, especially if you're an elder. Now, this is obviously talking about pastors, but even an elder Christian, right? It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or not. If you're an older brother, sister in the Lord, and you're more mature, and doesn't mean necessarily age, but just mature in, in the Word of God, 
and wisdom, then we can also take that mindset to the body of Christ that we understand that we're in a spiritual war. And you're always going to have darts flying around. This is, you know, goes with Wednesday night Bible study. And we need to be really ready and prepared in our minds, ready-minded uh, to fight the battle that God has for us. So if, in that same uh, chapter, if you go back to the previous, or that same book in the previous chapter, in chapter 4 and verse 12, <clears throat> look at what Paul says here. And I like how he says this, but he says, Beloved, right? So these are people that are, yeah, that's a tender way of talking to folks, you know, beloved. You say that to, I call my wife, she's my beloved, my beloved bride. I tell, I call you that all the time, don't I, Amy? So, my beloved bride. So, uh, beloved, think not it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So what Peter's saying here is that, you know, we shouldn't be like caught off guard that uh, strange and fiery trials are coming our way. But we also got to endure it, knowing that it pays off in the end. And the end isn't now, it's later. Right, so we don't need to get bogged down and uh, wondering too much on oh, why is this happening to me? You know, well, first Adam sinned. <laughs> That's where we start. Uh, two, we have an adversary, the devil, and we got our flesh. I mean, you just you deal with all of that, and it's a wonder it's not worse. And so, another good passage we can think about it when it comes to being ready is Second Corinthians uh, two and verse eleven. Back in near our text, not in our text, but Second Corinthians chapter two, the beginning of that epistle. It's been a while since we've been in chapter two. The apostle Paul said, "I'll go back to verse uh, ten. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices." So what's Paul saying there? He's saying don't allow bitterness and unforgiveness to permeate the heart. Right? You have to be ready to forgive. You know, Jesus is ready to forgive. You know, you know, a lot of I've actually had someone say, I don't read the Old Testament. You know, you should read the Old Testament. You know where I learn as much about God's grace? Uh, it's not in the New Testament. It's as much in the Old Testament as, as anywhere. You just read the prophets, right? And you see God's grace and His goodness, His long-suffering, His willingness to be ready to forgive. And so uh, God is... And by the way, we shouldn't take that for granted because uh, we do reap what we sow, number one. Number two, uh, we shouldn't let God's grace be lascivious. Uh, and He does judge us. I mean, And so it's also sad that He's had to die on the cross for our sins and so He's paid for our sins. So we need to, we need to honor Him. By uh, you know asking him to give us an obedient heart and to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that's all of us. So that's something we need to be ready to do. So if we've been forgiven uh, in this group, we'd all say, "Anybody in here not been forgiven of the Lord Jesus?" I mean, I think we're all we'd all profess Christ tonight. So well, then we don't really have a lot of space to to hold a grudge. Now that doesn't mean we got to like something that somebody's done. It doesn't mean we don't have protected. You know, we have security here because there's bad people okay we don't have to just open up our arms to criminals i'm leaving my doors unlocked in case someone wants to break in and steal all my stuff right you don't have to be stupid uh but at the same time we do need to be gracious and forgive we need to be ready to forgive and uh otherwise satan will get an advantage of us so we're disposed we need to know our enemy 
right? It, that's the thing. So if, if Paul de- developed a root of bitterness because somebody was shooting out the lip at Corinth, uh, then he would he would be susceptible to the enemy's attack. So he can't allow the words of other people to affect what he's accomplishing. And you can see when he addresses these folks, he's he's very kind, he's very gentle, he's very gracious. You know, Amy and I were just talking at lunch about Mark Trotter. One of the what a great attribute to have. Uh, I think you said he was very gracious, isn't that what you said, Amy? Or gentle? You don't remember? But it was really whatever she said was a word fitly spoken because she just summarized it up. And now I'm so retarded, I forgot what she said. But it was really good. But Mark Trotter was super gracious. You know, he came and and he invested in our little church. And you know, I know we were helping him with the Bibles of Zambia and stuff. But it was just he's just a really gracious guy. And uh, man, what a great what a great guy he was. But you can't allow the devil to get an advantage. So we got to be ready minded. Is the point. Uh, Christian warriors are ready. Their mind's ready. They're prepared. They expect people to shoot out the lip. They they understand. Let it roll off your back. The issue is not what people think of us. The issue is who what who are we worried about? Think who who's who are we concerned about? Ultimately, God. What's the Lord think of us? I can remember, and I mean, I still do this from time to time, but when we first started the church, I remember people would give me their opinions, and sometimes they were pretty persistent, and I'd be kind of like, well, I better yield to them. Maybe they're right. Even though in my gut I knew I was right, you know, and I, and I would try to placate people. And, uh, and then when I did, it would backfire. And guess who ended up owning that problem? I ended up owning the problem that I was wanting to avoid, to placate someone else. And you know what the Lord showed me? He's like, Brian, just, just obey me. You know, don't be a, you don't have to be a jerk, but just tell those folks, listen, this is not the, really the way we... That's why you're supposed to be running this thing. So, you know, because you didn't need to do that. That was dumb. You just opened the church up for liability in some way. And so I learned that the hard way. You can't placate people, even when you want to. Sometimes you want to please people. But at the end of the day, you want to please the Lord ultimately because when you don't please the lord it will come back and you'll end up owning problems you don't want to own there's enough of those to go around anyway so second timothy 4 2 is another passage the lord uh peter uh, timothy says preach the word be instant in season out of season reprove rebuke exhort with all long suffering and doctrine so it's not just about preaching the word but we got to do that with um uh, you know, we got to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Sometimes we forget the long suffering and doctrine. <laughs> it's just reprove, rebuke, exhort. Well, it's hard to encourage people, exhort people, if you're not long suffering. But definitely, it's it's it can you can rebuke people and repro- and reprove them and not give a you know a hoot about them. So it's important that we care about people that we're we're speaking truth to. Because uh, it's, if we come across to people as, and we don't really care about the person, we don't need to open our mouth and start talking truth because we're just going to s- slice them up with our tongues. And some people use truth as a weapon to beat people up. And so uh, you can tell when somebody doesn't have the Spirit of God. Sometimes they'll say words that are just cutting. You know what I mean? They just cut people to the core. And... Uh, Man, I grew up, I grew, Amy knows, I grew up with people that can cut you to the core with words. And, uh, and, uh, they're harsh, aren't they, Amy Joe? And so, you gotta get thick skin and, uh, realize, you know, either that's true or it's not. <laughs> and so. They're certainly not filled with the Spirit if they are mature. And so, and if they aren't, then they aren't. You don't expect baby Christians to be mature. Uh, but you do expect 
mature Christians to act like it. So, yeah, actually, I don't want to get too specific, but we do need to be careful. This is real fresh with me because I just saw someone get hurt recently uh, because someone shot out the lip, something they shouldn't have. Um, and they and it wasn't that it wasn't true. It was true, but it was a word that wasn't fitly spoken, right? And so sometimes it's better just to not say anything, right? Especially if someone's weak or frail or hurting. Uh, man, come on, have some wisdom, have some discretion, have some grace, right? And so, yeah, not, people aren't always gracious and kind. And so if the, it's one thing if they're a baby Christian and they don't know any better. Sometimes it's just being polite. You don't even have to have the Spirit of God to know that. Uh, but certainly when you are a Christian and you, and you have the Spirit of God inside of you, it's, it's also a symptom that we're not walking in the Spirit, that we're letting the flesh control us because we're not long-suffering, we're not gentle, we're not kind. Okay, then something's wrong. I was just telling Amy. Sometimes, sometimes you gotta you gotta just you gotta die to self, and then other times you need to just stop. Like I was, t- sometimes you gotta go to sleep. You gotta get some rest, right? You just gotta get your body where it needs to be, physically, because you get worn out, you get tired, and uh, you're not operating right. You're not taking good care of yourself, and the next thing you know, you're getting edgy. And uh, diabetics are like that. They don't get their insulin and stuff. They don't eat the right things. Next thing you know, they're getting all funky and. They're saying things they shouldn't say. They're doing things. Well, take care of yourself. Slow down. Make sure that you're you're, you're representing the Lord well. Be a good steward of your body. Be a good steward of your health. Uh, and so, uh, at any rate, that's as far as I'm going to go tonight because I'm out of time. Um, the next point, I'll give you the next point, but we're not going to get into it, is speak, uh, speak with their life. That's what Christian warriors do. They speak with their life. So we'll come back and pick up that point next week. I was hoping to get through that, but we'll get to that next time. All right. Oh, well, not too much, not too little. Well, thank you. I like the feedback. That's good. Yeah. So, yeah, if I go too much further, it's, well, we need to get to praying. So we'll get through this and uh, then we'll go. To, I don't know what we're going to do after Second Corinthians. I have. I need to pray about what the next place that we're going is. So um, you were talking about um, there is no weapon formed against God that will prosper. And I was immediately drawn to Proverbs uh, 21.30 Proverbs 21.30 it says there is no wisdom nor understanding nor counsel against the Lord yeah and I just thought that was a thing I mean immediately I thought of that verse I love that verse. That's actually, I was alluding to that, wasn't I? There is no wisdom, no counsel. What is that, Proverbs? 2130. I I think I wanted that in my message this morning, and I think I forgot it. Or it's next week's message. But uh, I think it's coming. Proverbs 2130. There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. And so... And getting in the ver- next, the verse after that, the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord, right? So once you've done all you can, then you you still got to cast all your care on the Lord, right? Because it's not in our preparation; it's in His provision. But that doesn't omit us from preparing, does it? So we do our part, and God does His part. Amen. And so I like that. There is no counsel against the Lord, no understanding or wisdom. You're not going to win against God uh, if you're wanting to take Him on. So, same thing with the servants, right? So, if you're serving the Lord, you know you're going to win at length. He may call you to be a witness, but uh, you know even if you die, you win. So there's no beating the there's no beating Jesus. He wins every time. So it's like a, 
Yea, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's what Job said. So we might get the privilege of living some of that, you know, before Jesus comes. You know, who knows? We'll see. But uh, anyway, so let's go ahead then, and uh, I'm going to transition to our prayer time. Hey, Amy Joe, can you get in the office? I left my prayer pieces in there. I, I'm certain that I have some uh, this week. I just forgot to grab them. That was 35.